Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hey, beautiful human. Dan is here. Hello. And... Lindsay, Lindsay Sterling's here too. <laughs> can't pronounce any names right today. Dude, I'm in a brand new chair, and it's something that I'm getting used to. And people might not notice because it's not very noticeable that our studio is built actually on a slant. It, it, it's slanted slightly to the right. Mm-hmm. So if I just start moving randomly to the right, like it's because I have a new chair with better wheels. Yeah, and, and our entire studio is built crooked. Well, that makes total sense, especially if they're like freshly greased wheels. Oh. You're in trouble. Lindsay, I got some greased wheels. See this? Oh, look at you. Oh, go. Bye. He's rolling. <laughs> I got some greased up wheels up in here. <laughs> do, do. We got a lot to discuss, though. Thank you for coming by and hanging out. I love coming to this place. I love coming to your show. I love chatting with you, whether it's like backstage somewhere or in this, this seat right here. So stoked to be here you make me hell happy because we have a lot to uncover and a lot to discuss because christmas is almost here yes and christmas is your season i yes i love christmas my entire life and now i feel so spoiled because i get to like royally celebrate it for months every year i I mean you go on two tours a year pretty much the last one was with with evanescence and now you do your christmas tour but you've been doing that a couple years too yes because every year for the last last year you added to the album and i think it came out the year before Mm -hmm. christmas and you and a violin why is that like a perfect combination for people you know i think it's I think it's the theatricality of how I like to present myself as an artist. Like, I love costumes. I love sparkles. I love tutus. I love dancing. And so, you know, people have kind of described the Christmas show. It's almost like, you know, a new, um, what is the famous ballet? Why can't I think of oh, Nutcracker. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's because it's, like, very instrumentally driven. It's very instrumentation. And, um you know, sparkly dancers. So it just feels right for Christmas, I think. Is it different from the album? Do you have vocalists from your band? Do you sing records on the road or is it all instrumental? Um, actually, the Christmas tour is pretty much the only tour that I will sing on. Cool. So because I sang on the album, the Christmas album, I sang three songs on it. And so in the show, I I really brave myself up and I sing three songs, which is unusual. I usually like to stick to the violin. That is my weapon of choice. You know, but, um, you know, I'll bust out the vocal cords for the Christmas tour. Why so selective? You know, I just, a lot of my, my fans really like it when I sing and I think it's because they just really love me. And so they accept my voice. They're being polite. They're being polite, you know, and they're just like, I mean, it's kind of like a mother's love. Like my true fans will love anything I do so they're like Lindsay your voice is amazing and but I'm like you know I I'm an okay singer but there's something about Christmas music where I feel like it like it can be a little imperfect and so because I won't sing anything if I don't think my voice is the right voice for it but for some reason when I recorded the demos on these Christmas tracks and then when we had like you know quote-unquote real singers sing some of these demos over again I was like I don't know I like actually the way it sounded with kind of this this untrained, unperfect voice, which happened to be mine. And so we ended up keeping my vocal on these songs. And it felt right for that. Normally, does not feel right. Anybody can sing a Christmas song. Exactly. Christmas Anybody, for everybody. It's for everybody. And there's, you know, it makes people feel like they can sing along. But, but like a record like Forever Glow off Artemis, your album. Oh, yes. Who, there's like faint lyrics. Yes. In that. Is that you? 
I did, okay, I lied. I did sing that one. <laughs> so it was like more like a Johnny Cash esque, like talk through sing. Yeah, it's very different. The whole album is, I mean, for as little lyrics and words there are in it, like it's so visual. Thank you. Yeah, it's spectacular. That's a huge compliment. It's Thank really you so cool. much. So I mean, why does that record need lyrics? You know, I approached this album from a a very different space than I approached my last album. Last album, it was like half the songs I wrote with the intent to have vocalists on them and half the songs I wrote with the intent for them to be instrumental. This time I was like, I'm just going to write all of these as instrumentals. And then if they call for lyrics or if they call for a little something more, then I'll add it. But they were all originally just kind of written super freely. And that's why some of them have a very interesting structure, like Forever Glow. I was like, wouldn't that be cool if it was almost like poetry in the beginning? And and then um, the song that Amy Lee sings, Love Goes On and On. Like, words don't come in until like a minute and a half into the song, which is a very strange song structure, but it feels very natural when you listen to the progression of the song. But what is the strategy behind that? Like, how do you know when it's the right time in a record like that to tap into lyrics? Um... For me, the reason I did it like that is because I was almost kind of trying to go back to the freedom that I had when I wrote my first album. And I didn't understand song structure and writing rules and this and that, like all the rules of like what is successful and what works. I didn't understand. And so I just like freely wrote whatever felt right I would do. And then I started to learn more and like follow more structure. And so on this album, I was like, I want to go back to the freedom of that first album and just do what feels right for the song. And so, yeah, if it just felt like the song wasn't carried quite enough through just melody, but I loved the song enough, I'd be like, okay, it needs a little bit more. It's calling for words. It wants something else. So what motivates the want to go back to your first album creatively? Well, I think that there's something exciting about being an artist because you grow and you try new things and you kind of broaden your box a little bit or step into new boxes. And it's it's exciting to do that and try new things. But sometimes when you do that, you get a little, you lose sight a little bit of why you started this whole thing in the per- in the first place. And each album of mine, I've tried new things and tried new styles. And <clears throat> there was a part of me that just wanted to go back to like, what did like what was that girl thinking when she wrote that first album and like I really tried to like channel that like almost naive and excited and super just like starry-eyed version of myself um again in the process of writing this album and it was actually a kind of a freeing experience to do so how is it freeing because i, I understand like i very much understand the want to like match what made your first project so great Mm-hmm. Which was being naive and <laughs> yeah. not knowing the rules and just going right. with your gut and your brain and whatever you were musically inclined to do. But you could do it now knowing everything that you've learned in the process between the first album right. and your current place. Which so, was kind of, oh sorry, what were you No, say? you go. Which was kind of the, the fun of it. It's like there's a lot of power in knowing the rules and understanding them. Um, and so that's what I think made this album, what I honestly feel is my best album I've done yet, um, is because, yeah, I've learned a ton along the way. I've also experienced a ton and emotionally grown so much um, since the girl that wrote that first album. So it's like taking all of that, but then letting that take a backseat to, like, the intuition and the instinct and the passion and the, like, the excitement again. You know, because sometimes when you get a little too stuck in the rules, it becomes there's a little bit of a different motive that starts to come out that you don't even realize is driving. Mm. And looking back on it, you're like, 
oh, I think I made some choices because I was supposed to, not because it felt right. The Upside. What what about the original version of that song said this story needs lyrics? Ooh, um, I think I just really liked that song. And that's why there's actually two versions on the album. It was just so happy and exciting. And it's, I find it's a lot easier for me to write super dramatic music and like really like, you know, emotional and oh, epic. But sometimes I, I, I don't get as many of the like just happy songs. And so I was super excited that I loved this song that was super happy because that's not usually what comes out of me. Even though I consider myself a very happy person, <laughs> my, my art often comes out a lot more like dramatic. And um, so that's why I, I kept the instrumental version. Um, but I also took a stab at writing like a much more like pop driven vocal on it. And I decided to keep both because I just know my fans and I know they'd be like, there's not enough violin on the song. And so I was like, well, hey, I really love this vocal version. And I was so stoked that L. King sang it. But I was like, you know, and, and then also, hey. Here's an instrumental version, so you can't miss out that the violin's not on it as much. Here's both. You get everything. <laughs> you get, yeah, the best of both worlds. Do you feel like you need to put violin on every single song you do? Oh, absolutely. Mm. If I, like, didn't have the violin, it would be it'd be like if Megan Trainer released a song that she wasn't singing on, but it was on her <laughs> album, and she wrote it, you know, but she didn't <laughs> sing on it, and it's on her album. People would be like, what the heck? Yeah, the violin's like my voice. Yeah, well, that's the question I had. So you talk about writing songs, and obviously when I think of writing a song, I think of lyrics. Right. So how do you write a song? Yes, you know, it's really funny. Whenever I write with a new producer, they'll, like, sit down. They're like, I'm so excited for today because it's something so different than what I've done before. How do we do this? And these are, like, super experienced producers yeah. and writers, and they also are just like, what do we do? And do I'm you like, like that? I think it's, yes, I actually love it because, you know, these are people that write songs every day, and you know, you kind of get in this routine and you know how to do it. And so it's kind of fun to see someone like, what do we do? How do we do this? I'm kind of excited. Something new. I'm writing with a violinist. Um, But the answer is oftentimes like, oh, it's very similar to how you write normal songs. It's just, you know, and I have to explain to them, the violin is the voice. Um, And there's one challenge in that, well, in some ways people are like, oh, super easy. All we worry about is melody. Um, There's no lyrics to write. But at the same time, the challenge of that is that lyrics carry and the human voice connect so easily to people. And so you have to write with a really different mindset when you realize that a melody is all that is carrying this. And so it makes it really challenging to write, you know, 15 songs for an album that are all going to carry someone solely through a melody. Yeah, and be different every time. And be different every time and feel special. You know, I mean, I don't even know how many songs I've written at this point that I've released and worrying about like oh no they're gonna say that sounds too much like shatter me or this or that so trying to be different every time when all you've got is melody and sonics Zach Sang Show. yo beautiful human real quick if you got stuff in your life that you don't need you don't use you don't want why not sell it come on make some extra coin bring in some extra bacon and use Macari app to get it done Macari is so easy it is free and it's legit. There's like 500,000 reviews in the App Store with an average rating of 4.8 stars. 150,000 new items are being listed every single day. And there's users of Macari in all 50 states. So it doesn't matter where you're at, you can sell your stuff on Macari. Plus, with the holiday season coming up, like Santa needs to get his gifts from somewhere. So why not you? If you got stuff that you want to get rid of, make some extra money. Macari is for you. Oh, did. I totally forgot to mention that like it makes it really easy to sell literally anything 
end everything, they're going to sell it for you, they're going to ship it for you, and then you get paid. All the hard parts of, like, doing any sort of online transactions with someone are totally taken care of when you use Macari. If you're interested, just search M-E-R-C-A-R-I, Macari, in the App Store. Try it out. Let me know what you think. Zach Sang Show. So does every song usually start with you? Like, what does a producer usually bring to a session? Um, usually we start from scratch and I will bring some sort, like I always bring some sort of intention where they're like, we're writing about hope today and I'll kind of tell them a story or I've come in before literally with like a music video idea many times that I'm like, okay, today we're writing a song about a ballerina that is trapped in a music box (laughs) and she, you know, and I'll explain like the metaphor of what that means. And, you know, I find that people really enjoy that, like not only fans, but like from a a writing perspective to write almost like you're scoring a mini film is really fun for a lot of these producers. And that's the way that I get the most inspired is coming in with some sort of intention. And then we start with chords and then I add the violin. Was that your approach with Artemis? Because there's a comic book with it. Yes. Is the comic book done before the album or after? It was really fun. They were done together. And so as I was, I mean, first I wrote the song Artemis and that was the first song for the album that I was like, Okay, I've got a good, I, I haven't lost it. I've got my touch still, you know. I'd written quite a few songs, and finally I found the sound of the album and what I wanted to share. And uh, searching for different names, I, f- I happened upon Artemis, and suddenly I got really excited. I knew what the album was about. I knew the story I wanted to tell, and I was so inspired by it that I started writing a comic book. And the two kind of fed each other. Like, as I would write part of the comic book, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I need to put that story into the album. And then as I would write some of the album, I'd be like, well, how can I make that song fit into... So they kind of fed each other. Does the comic book help give you a narrative yes. for the lyricless music? Yes. So certain songs from the album, like, you know, like, for example, the song Artemis, it sounds like a a hunter at times. And then other times it's like really ethereal. And that's supposed to represent the fact that Artemis is the goddess of the moon, very ethereal and full of like light. And then other times she's the goddess of the hunt. And so, you know, anytime that we go into these dream sequences that are in the comic book, that's kind of the soundtrack that people can like turn to, you know, and there's multiple things in the comic book that tie in. Like, for example, our main character lives underground in this world called the trenches, you know, um, where it's like the slums of their society and they've never even seen the sky because they're like kind of trapped underground. Um, And that's where the song underground comes from. So, yeah, the the songs of the album are like almost the soundtrack for the comic book story. Does that help you shape, like give you story or are these songs really from your life? Both. The, you know, the, the themes for the comic book really stem from like where I'm at now and like the, the experiences I've had over the last several years and what I've learned. Those are kind of the themes of the comic book and the album. And, um, you know, but it was really fun to write from a place of a whole story because a lot of times in my, my um, albums, it's like I'll have a story for this song and a story for that song. But they're all kind of like their own little vignettes. And this was the first time I've written an album all stemming from one story, one set of actual characters. And um, it just made it a really fun, unique writing process. Every time I'd go into a session, I would like share with them the comic book story and show them some of the pictures that we of the initial art. And, you know, it just made it super fun. It's cool. Yeah. Thank you. How do you, <clears throat> how do you challenge yourself with the violin? Because you've been attached to it for so long. Yeah. Like, is it a challenge? Yes. Every time I learn a new set of songs, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like at first 
whenever I'm learning new music, I'm like, oh, dang, this is really, really hard, especially when I'm trying to learn choreography for, like, tour. I'm like, this is impossible. How did I ever do this before? <laughs> but then I'll go back and, like, remember that, oh, yeah, once doing this choreography with this song felt impossible, and I learned that. And so every time around, I feel like I do, you know, stretch the yeah. envelope a little bit on in terms of um, the technicality of the playing, but probably mostly on what I can do while, while playing. Doing. That's probably where I usually challenge myself the most is just in the, the, the dancing um, while performing. And like I said, every time I start preparing for a new tour, I'm like, this is impossible. No, it can't be done. And I'm like, wait, I did it last time. And it felt the same way, and it always comes together after, you know, weeks and weeks of practice you're very nice on dancing with the stars oh I thank you <laughs> i feel like you could have utilized your violin skill a lot more than you did oh you know they only let me use it on the finale and actually we which, didn't, didn't even really ask we just kind of did it what, which, which by the way like if you would have done that every week who else is hitting the ballroom floor and dancing with a freaking violin oh it's an unfair advantage none of them Right? It's my superpower. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of them are freaking figure skaters. The ballroom dancing is the same thing as figure skating, just without the freaking <laughs> ice. It's ice skating, but on wood. It is. So. Yeah. Good point. All, all I'm saying is they, they're using their skill, too. All very valid points. When are you going to be on Dancing with the Stars? Oh, please do not get him started. He truly believes he deserves it. And he thinks he'll wait, win, but he's wait. the worst no, no, no. dancer of all time. Do you, really, do you really want to do it? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I will say it was one of the most fun things I have ever done, but it was also one of the hardest things I've ever and done. That is why I am so <laughs> nervous. The commitment, the commitment is it, out of this world. It, it is unrelenting. It is the discipline required to do it properly is something that I just don't know I have. No, I will tell you, you will forget that you're actually a radio personality and you will be like after like five weeks. You'll start to think you're a ballroom dancer. If I make it that long. And that's like. (laughs) He's not making it past the first episode. But it's funny because my management literally was like, Lindsay, because, you know, I'd have all these commitments. I'd be like, we need to cancel that because I have to go to ballroom rehearsal. So you're dancing like six hours a day at least. And they'd be like, Lindsay, I hate to remind you, you're not a professional ballroom dancer. You have a career that you have to keep alive and a Christmas tour you have to start in a few weeks. And I was like, oh, right. You're right. Nothing ends. Your, your real life doesn't yes. take a backseat to DWTS. It's like the two need to ride, you know, shotgun together. It, that's why it was so hard because certain people did definitely like put their career on hold for a time. But I mean, I was in like go mode. I had a Christmas album come out at the same time. And I was also oh. learning and going on a brand new tour. I mean, I was... I turned into a walking zo- or a dancing zombie but you, by the end. Do you rise to that challenge? Like, were there moments throughout that entire time that you were like, I can't do both. I got to tap out of one. I got to. Yeah, I mean, I had a legit, like, breakdown at one point because I just, I had this panic moment of like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this all. Like, I am committed. I have to show up on Monday with two fresh ballroom routines that I've never done before, like, and learning new styles. And then I was like, and also, in a week and a half, my Christmas tour starts and I don't feel ready, you know, and I have thousands of tickets that are sold. And it was just absolutely terrifying. It was like feeling like I'm either going to humiliate myself in front of millions of people on live TV or I'm going to let down thousands and thousands of fans on a tour. And, you know, the thing is you you kind of just rise to the impossible and you do it. And somehow it all worked out. But I'm not going to say that it wasn't one of the most emotionally and physically and like every way draining experiences that I've ever been through. But weirdly enough, I'd do it again because it was so fun. That's what I need to hear. 
And I'm, I, I have a <laughs> He's lot. He's doing it. <laughs> they don't want me. <laughs> I mean, we do have a lot of uh, radio friends that maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I. It's so. The only thing that gave me a lot of encouragement. Because I went last, I, I saw it for the first time when I went to come see you with my mom, and then I watched last week's Allie Brooke, and then I'm going to go again tonight. Oh, you're going tonight? Yeah, I'm very excited. I do like going to- Who are you voting for? Allie Brooke. She's going to win She's the mirror She's so ball. cute. She's adorable. I love her. Who are you rooting for? So I love Allie. I've like met her a couple times, and she's just like- the sweetest quality person and like I've, I've loved watching her journey as they say yes. i loved your journey mm. on the show um <clears throat> i've loved her journey and then um kate flannery mm. she is so freaking cute love her and i love her and i actually i met her a couple weeks ago and was like you're killing she's just so good i think they're my top two they're up there james vanderbeek is pretty He's freaking good with his like what five kids another mm. one on the way i'm obviously a fan of the show i like know all their backstories like I- you follow their journey i've been following the journey it is really cool to watch and, and watching them communicate on the dance floor just gave me a lot of encouragement in terms of like really your partner is there for you they are. They're like your therapist. They're your coach. They're like everything for you in that experience. And, um, you know, you really form this like very special bond with your with your coach. I was with Mark Ballas and, you know, he became like one of my best friends. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it really, it is something special. And to see the fact that it really does take two to tango, literally, is cool. Like you need each other and your success is their success. And yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it is a beautiful thing. As somebody who's been watching Nancy with the Stars since the very first episode with my mom. Oh, I'm, yes, mom. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Love it. Uh, she loves you, by the way. And she <laughs> oh. says, hello. Oh, my gosh. Tell her hi. I will. She's going to be very happy. Um, so when do we officially kick off this Christmas tour here? We kick it off, oh, my gosh, I think the 18th of November. 18th of November. <laughs> if my dates are correct. I think that is correct. Okay, good. I'm really proud of myself for remembering that. Wait, are we going to do, like, all 18 tracks off this album? We do most of them, actually. Like, you know, because it's, it's an evening with. We don't have an opener. Cool. It's just kind of, like, come. And so, yeah, almost the entire album is in the show. I think there's, like, two songs we don't do. But, yeah. That's it. Full of Christmas fun. We've got little toy soldier costumes. <laughs> We've got your fairy costumes. We got your sugar plum fairies. I mean, we got it all. We got your Grinch. Like, it's, it's a really good time. <laughs> come on down for some Christmas cheer. <laughs> yes. We got your hot cocoa. <laughs> Sugar plums. <laughs> Have you gotten to perform with Mariah Carey yet? No, I've never performed with, like, she's like the Christmas queen. That's what I mean. And, yeah. like, you're on your way, so I feel like you two together is just, yeah, gotta okay. have it at some point, right? It does. Manifest it. I'm gonna manifest that right now. It's a great idea. I right. love to perform. She really is the Christmas queen. Totally. And I feel like you are the right person to share a stage with because you don't upstage anybody. Right? I'm not gonna steal from your vocals. No, totally. Yeah, like... Every artist should want to do a duet with you. It also puts me in a very comfortable position because, like, yeah, if you're singing on stage with Mariah Carey, talk about, like, terrifying. But I'm like, I don't have to compete with her, like, amazing vocals. I'm just, like, doing my own thing. Uh, I'm going to pixie around over here while playing a violin. She can do her whistle tones. You're just going to compliment. Yeah. All good. Exactly. How do you, like, how do you push yourself on the violin? I know that it's, like, obviously challenging yourself to play the violin while doing other things, but to get different sounds out of one instrument. Yeah. Like, have you ever felt like you've just achieved all the possible sounds out of this thing and <laughs> it's just totally milked? You know, I think 
I've thought about that, and I almost went that direction on this album, but I had enough melodies that I ended up kind of keeping it a little bit more the standard, like, Lindsey Sterling sound that people know. But there's, like, an endless world once you get into, like, pedals and, you know, like, all mm. the specific effects. Like, you can you can get drowned in that world and, like, spend so much time. And it's something I've never really, really dove into. Um, I think probably just because I was, like, raised on classical music, and so I'm, like the sound of the violin i'm a little bit of a purist but i think in the future it would be really fun to kind of dive in and be like okay we've done lots of like violin sounding violin music let's like experiment with some crazy sounds because you can only take like pizzicato and you know different like like so far i totally get that you know what i mean yeah but but you want to keep the integrity (laughs) of the instrument yeah so whenever people are like even playing electric violins is like uh I just love the sound of the classical, wood, rich, violin, you know, and then for show purposes, it's almost like costume changes. Like, I'll use the electrics because suddenly I come out with this, like, bedazzled violin. I was just going to say, do you have the, your bedazzled one today? I don't. I just oh, brought... Okay. I'm so sorry. Do they have names? They do. What are your violin's names? So today I have Excalibur. That's like my, that's my favorite violin. I know you're not supposed to have favorite children, but that's my favorite violin. Um, and it's like a hundred year old, beautiful wood violin with a really rich sound. Wow. Yeah. hundred years old. I mean, that's like typical. That's why violins are very expensive is because, you know, you can't buy time and yeah. they get sweeter with time. And so the more expensive violins are ones that have just had to age. And like the wood that made them isn't even available anymore so is, is that the oldest violin you have excalibur excalibur yeah it's the oldest one i have um and then i have like um let's see i have arwen which is a white bedazzled violin <laughs> named after lord of the rings of course um we have cleopatra which is bedazzled as well you know pickles is like a tiny violin like this big they play it on the christmas tour cool what do you get out of pickles because he's so little it's actually quite funny. We have a toy set bit where my band plays toys, like toy keyboard and like a toy drum set. And oh. we actually do like a medley of Christmas songs. And it's quite like people find it really funny because I'm playing like the same size violin a five-year-old would play. <laughs> and, you know, like like squeaking out these little tunes, which doesn't sound great, but it's it's it works for like a two-minute bit yeah. that people find really funny. Tiny pickles. Little pickles. <laughs> Any other uh, violins you have in your... Oh, too many, but... How many? Like, um, I mean, I probably have like six that I use a lot, and then I have quite a few more that I, you know, use for like music videos and stuff. My newest one is um, David, and it's... Um, <laughs> what? It's my newest violin, and... But wait, you got to hear the rest, but it's... Um, inspired by Artemis, the Huntress character, and so it's made to look like a crossbow. What? So it's pretty awesome. It's in the Artemis music video, but so that, therefore, its name is David Bowie. Uh, <laughs> Get it, right? Uh, so that's my newest violin, which Bravo. I feel really, like, ugh, fierce when I play that one. <laughs> that is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Do you collect violins? Um, I I guess I do, in a sense, because, I, I mean, I have all these special ones that are, like, have been custom-made and custom-designed by myself for, like, music videos or tours, and so, like, I can't ever part with them because they're, like, my little, you know, they're, like, pieces of art now for me. How sick is that? You're at a place in your life where you can get custom violins. Right? You made the violin cool. 
Well, thank you. I, I've always thought it was cool myself, but the rest of the world did it. So, <laughs> you know, been working on that. What's the next instrument just right for the rebrand? Uh, I know this answer. It's the flute because of Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Ah, but, Which, I, but I feel like she's already doing it. Like, I, I want to start a, I want to start oh. an instrument from the ground up. Oh, okay. All right. Flute's already done. What? what a, the, how about the accordion? Oh, my gosh. Are, we, are you going to do that? Are you going to make the recording cool? No, no, no. Somebody oh, okay. else can have that one. Right. That, that's a gift I'm giving. I'll, we'll talk to, like, Dan from Imagine Dragons. Be like, you got to make the accordion cool. Bring it back, man. Just from, like, a branding aspect. I feel like like Lizzo <laughs> has done a lot for the flute. Yeah, right? she has. You've done exceptional amounts for the violin. Uh, Daniel from Why Don't We plays the cello. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. I it love the cello. Cool. Cello very is cool. very cool. Yeah. But I don't know. The, the, the accordion means something. How about a trombone? Where's that thing been at? Oh. Mm. Nobody's been blowing a trombone le- recently? Trombone shorty. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that an artist? Yes. Yeah. Trombone shorty? Yeah, why do I know that name? Does he play the trombone? Did he work with Dinah Jane or Normani? Is he from Louisiana? Oh, I'm not sure. Google it right now. Is you Normani? have a computer yes. in front of you. But he was on my Christmas album, so I know he's a real person, and he plays the trombone, and he's awesome. Trombone yes. shorty. He worked with he worked with Normani. W- uh, warmer in the winter. Yeah. And he's on that hit track, Warmer in the Winter. <laughs> that hit record. That hit one. Have you ever worked with NASA? What? With NASA? Yes, because their lunar program it, is Artemis. It's called Artemis. And Artemis is supposed to land on the moon in 2024. So I feel like you could write the soundtrack for the moon landing. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to. Yes. yes. Whether they ask you or not, you're going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it and at least play it at my like while I watch live. I'll be like, I'll live stream it so my fans and I can enjoy it. I'll be like, I wrote this just for NASA, even though they didn't want it and they rejected it all 20 times I sent it. Here it is. This is the lunar Artemis. But yeah, right as I was actually finishing my album, I saw that mm-hmm. they had adopted that as their name for this like new era. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, something's in the air. It's all you. Yeah. Artemis. David Artemis. Bowie. Yeah. Me and David Bowie. Thank you for hanging out today. Yes. Thanks for having me. Artemis is uh, the album. It's totally deserves your freaking ear. It's so good. Thank the you. Upside featuring L. King is a great record. Thank you. It, so fun. It is so positive. Like if It sounds dark when you first listen to it, but then you hear the, the lyrics. It's, it's just somebody looking for the upside. Yeah, well, and I think that we all go through times when you feel like th- that song was inspired actually from a conversation I had with my mom who, um, gosh, three years ago, my dad passed away. And, you know, I think our whole family and what loss does to you is it kind of sends you into a little bit of a depression, you know, and you feel it for a while. It just felt kind of like this downward slope. And and then my mom said one day, she goes, you know, I finally feel like after kind of going on this downward slope, I feel like I'm on the upside of that slope now. And I'm starting to see hope again. I'm starting to, you know, and if you look at life in this journey of ups and downs, there's a lot of hope that comes when you start to go on the upside. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm on the upside of down. Wow. I loved that. After you have that conversation, you go right into the studio to write the record. Do you sit with it for a little bit? I kept it in my back pocket for a while. And I, because it was a concept I loved and I tried to write several songs for it. And this was the first one that I was like, I'm going to take that special thing. and I'm going to give it to this song. Beautiful. Yeah. Artemis. That is the album. The Upside. That is the record that deserves your ear. I do have one more question. Oh, Chris- yes. Christmas I, Tree Dan. I know the, the Christmas album came out a while ago, but when you're learning a Christmas song, do you just listen to it and you can play it instantly? Um. Yeah, pretty pretty good. Like, I have a very good 
ear, which I'm really grateful for because as a kid, I, um, well, still, I'm dyslexic. And so I couldn't understand why I couldn't sight read as a kid. And I could never learn that skill. And later on in life, I learned, oh, it's because I'm dyslexic. (laughs) And the notes get jumbled the same way letters do. Um, And uh, so because of that, like, disability, for lack of a better term, I learned how to use my ear super well to get me through, like, learning the violin. And that what was once a handicap has become a huge asset. It's something that's helped me so much in writing and learning quickly. And, you know, so even at the time I thought it was going to like ruin the career I could have had, but it kind of created the career I now have. So I'm very grateful for that. (laughs) Whoa. So you can listen to anything and pretty much play it. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. If I hear it, I learn it way better through hearing than I do through like looking at pages of sheets, you know, music. So quickly. So when you're writing a song, do you just play it or you don't write any music? I don't write any music. I just play it. Um, I'll make a voice note of it so I don't forget it. And then I like, you know, play it until I like know it. And yeah, I, I never write anything down. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. Artemis. Listen to the album. <laughs> have you listened to it? I have. It's very intense. <laughs> Dude, it's awesome. Yeah. It's very intense. I love da, 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 da. it. Also, Warmer in the Winter. It's like EDM with a violin over it, some of the songs. Yes. That's always the goal. I love EDM and I love marrying the two. Is that what you're looking for in a producer is to beef up your violin, what you give them? Yeah, I mean, I always want it to feel, like, heavy and, like, big and massive. Like, I love, I I don't know, thick music. (laughs) I like my music thick. (laughs) Um, And so that's kind of what I always, you know, because I know a lot of music is very minimal nowadays. That's kind of in and kind of cool, which I totally get. But when I go in, I'm like, no, we're not going for what's, like, in and cool. Like, I want this to be, like, really meaty and intense. Artemis is thick. She's thick. <laughs> Listen to the album. <laughs> Lindsey Sterling, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for having me. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.